Thank you for tuning in to Valley Rise Church. We're so glad you decided to join us today. For more information on sermon series and service times, you can visit us online at valleyrisechurch.com. Thanks again for joining us. We hope you enjoy today's message. That's amazing. Hey, everyone's Christmas was good. Here's what I discovered about Christmas um, is that Christmas is a lot less fun when you pay for everything. Like, this was the first year that we didn't go to Louisiana to be with my family. And um, I was, I was kind of sad about it, you know, and, and we're there and we're opening presents and the kids are excited. And I'm going, it just, it just doesn't feel the same. I don't, I don't know why it doesn't feel the same. And I realized that's because, like, I paid for everything. Like, you know, you're opening your own presents going, oh, what did we get me? This is awesome. Like, <laughs> yeah, some of you got that because I paid for it. I got me the gift. You know what I'm saying? It was a whole different experience um, than, than being with my family, but it was, a, it was a great, great time, and kids, you know, they had so much fun, and parents, if you have an elf on the shelf, our elf, we forgot to put him up Christmas morning, he's supposed to go away, it's like 6.30, I'm running across the house in my drawers, trying not to trip over presents to grab the elf before the kids come down the stairs, you know, if you're in here and you believe in the elf, I did not touch the elf, I grabbed him with tongs, and then I put him in his box. Um, but we had, a, we had a great, great Christmas, and we were excited. How many are excited for 2020? It's going to be great. The last Sunday of this decade. Hey, I applaud you for being at church. I know we have so many people that are sick or went to the LSU game last night. Come on, how about my Tigers? God, that was, y'all should have cheered louder for your pastor's team. I'm honestly a little disheartened. But, um, hey, it's going to be a great Sunday, and it's going to be a great 2020. Let's pray, and we'll jump into it. Jesus, thank you so much for this day that we have together. God, thank you at the end of this year, the end of this decade, we come and we honor you. We get to celebrate not only what you've done in the last 10 years, but what you're going to do in the next 10 years, what you're going to do in 2020. God, what you're going to do in our lives, what you're going to do in our marriages, what you're going to do in our families, what you're going to do in us. God, we're excited. We let you know that whatever you want from us, it's yours. We come to you with open hands, God, in 2020 and say whatever you want to do inside of us, do it. We want to be more like you. God, I pray that today we would get closer to you and we get closer to each other. Bless our time together. In Jesus' precious name, amen and amen. In the uh, late 80s, early 90s, there was a guy named Tony Campolo. And Tony, was a, um, he had a church in Philadelphia, the inner city of Philadelphia. And he was doing a lot of stuff in the inner city that, that nobody else was kind of doing. He wrote a book, and in his book, he tells the story I want to tell you. Tony was going to Hawaii to do a conference and flew to Hawaii. I mean, how many of you ever flown like there or any place where you get jet lagged? Anybody jet lag? You know, when we go to Israel, I'm like that. It's the middle of the night and I'm just wide awake. I'm just ready for breakfast. Turn on ESPN. Let's do something. And, and so we go, he gets there and he says at 3.30 in the morning, he can't sleep. So he walks down to the local Hawaiian Waffle House, whatever, whatever it is, and, and sits down to eat. He says, while I'm sitting there eating, I look and I see four prostitutes walk in to the, to the Waffle House. And he says, I'm, I'm sitting there at the counter next to them and listening to their conversations. And one, thank God there was no social media because that'd probably be a bad picture for your pastor to get. Um, but he said, I'm sitting there and, and listening to their conversations. And one of the girls says to the other girls, tomorrow's my birthday. And they go, well, okay, okay like, what do, you, what do you want us to do? She goes, well, nothing. I don't want you to do anything. I just want you to know tomorrow's my birthday. And I had a really bad home life, and I've never had a birthday party in my whole life. And I don't know. I've just gotten used to not really celebrating my birthday. And so the girls walk out, and Tony asked the manager of the diner, the owner, he said, hey, do these girls come here every night? And the guy said, every night. They're here every night. He said, well, I want to throw a birthday party for that girl tomorrow night. 
And the guy said, oh, man, she is. She's the best of all the girls that come in here. Her name's Agnes. You know, that would be, she, you should do that. It would be awesome. I'll help you. I'll make the cake. So it comes the next night, you know, 1, 2 in the morning. They decorate the whole place. I mean, streamers and balloons and happy birthday, Agnes. And they get the cake ready and they, they all of it ready. And he says, word must have gotten out because at about 3 in the morning, every prostitute in Maui was in the Waffle House. And they're all waiting for Agnes to walk in the door. So he said, Agnes walks in, and they all yell surprise, and she's shocked, and they sing her happy birthday, and they go to cut the cake, and she says, can you please not cut the cake? Let me take the cake. I live two blocks from here. Let me take the cake to my house, please. I'll bring it right back. So they're like, okay, sure. So she takes the cake, and he says, I'm, I'm kind of like at a loss of what to do at this point, because now the cake's gone, and the birthday girl's gone, so I'm just there with 40 prostitutes. And he said, so I said, let's, let's pray. So he said, we get in a circle and we pray, God, you know, bless these women. Let them know Jesus comes only, you know, the joy comes only through you, Jesus, and what you can do in our lives. Bless them, protect them. Amen. So he said, I finished, and the diner owner looks at me and says, hey, you didn't tell me you were a preacher. Now, what kind of church do you belong to? And he said it was one of those moments where the words just came out right. And he looked at the man and he said, I belong to the kind of church that throws birthday parties for prostitutes at 3.30 in the morning. And the owner said, there's no way you don't belong to a kind of church like that. Because if there was a kind of church like that, I would belong to it too. How many of you want to belong to a church like that? I want to belong to a church that takes care of orphans in India, a church that feeds teachers at our school like we did this week, a church that provides Christmas for the girls that were all sitting up here last week, a church that invests into other churches around our community. I don't know about you, but that's the kind of church I want to belong to. Amen? It's a great time to clap. I mean, I was honestly good. Yeah. Maybe you don't want to belong to that kind of church. I want but the only time people throw parties is not on birthdays. I love Jesus begins to tell us every time someone gets saved, every time someone is born again, every time someone comes into the body of Christ, that all of heaven rejoices and throws a birthday party. Not a birthday party, they throw a party. I love that. Sometimes you'll hear me up here, people after altar call will go, hey, you seemed like you were crying during like the salvation prayer. Because it still gets me emotional when I see people's lives changed in this church. It still gets me emotional when I see people take a step into their new destiny. It still gets me emotional when I see eternity shifted from hell to heaven. And we're not the only ones. Jesus begins to tell them that this is what happens. Jesus tells them a story, three different stories. He tells them a story of a woman who lost a coin, a woman, uh, the, the sheep that's been lost, and then the lost son, the story of the prodigal son that most of you know. And he's trying to get them to understand the significance of what lost things mean to God. That when they're returned home, that all of heaven parties. Hey, I want you to know the reason we do Valley Rise Church, the reason we invest in church, the reason we're doing this new building, the reason we're doing all of this isn't because we need it, because we want it, or because anyone asked us to do it. It's because there's more lost people out there who need a party in heaven for them. It's because there's marriages that still need to be restored. It's because there's children that are still prodigal. It's because there's people that are broken and hurting that are still looking for truth. That is why we are doing what we are doing as a church. I want you to know... When you invest into the church, when you prepare a place for others, three things happen. 
If you're taking notes, three things happen. This is our heart for the house message. For those of you who are joining us for the first time, we two, uh, a month and a half ago we announced that we're getting a building. We've been here two years setting up and tearing down every, every Sunday. We're now getting a building right on the corner of Kirkendall and Dowdle right here, about a mile and a half from here. Then the process of building it out. And so we're having an opportunity today for you to invest into what God is doing in that new building. If you're here with us for the first time, no pressure. Enjoy the service. We want you to enjoy being here. But if this is home, I want you to know there are three things that happen when you invest into the house of the Lord. Three things. Number one. The house is blessed. The house is blessed. I was 20 years old when I left for the Air Force, and I, I remember my dad dropping me off, and I was, I, was, I was wild, to say the least, and my dad goes to drop me off. I had been on the run from my father-in-law who was trying to kill me. Um, that is a true story. He's not here today, so I can tell you that. Um, but they normally are sitting right up here, and I'm still kind of scared of him. And he's, he's, I was on the run from them and living with my recruiter for like two weeks. And like he was going to kill me when he found out that me and Alex were dating because I was not the guy you wanted your daughter to date. And I know it's hard to believe. I know you're like, well, Pastor, you just seem like such a nice, tall Mexican. Why is it that? But I was not the guy. And, um, and so he was literally actively looking for me. And, and they, my recruiter lived with him. And then my dad came to pick me up to take me to drop me off to ship out to go to basic training. He picks me up. We have a conversation on the way. And he gets to the recruiter's office where he's going to drop me off. And he opens the door and he looks at me and he says this to me. He says, son, you're about to find out if you're blessed or if you've been living in a blessed house. And there's a big difference. How many of you know there's a big difference between you being blessed and living in a blessed house? Psalms 84.10 for a day in thine courts is better than a thousand. I had rather be a doorkeeper in the house of my God than to dwell in the tents of wickedness. What is he saying? He says the house of God is when I'm here, it's the most enjoyable time that I have. You know what I love? I love when people come up to me and it happens almost every week. Somebody comes up to me and goes, I can't wait all week to get back to church. And I'm like, Really? No, yes, like I just can't. I count down the days. I'm so excited for, you know what that means? That means this house is blessed. That means when people come here, they experience the goodness of God. They experience the goodness of relationships. They experience friendship. They experience peace. That comes from a blessed house. And we are all reaping the benefits of investing into a house that God is building. I love being part of the, the, the joy of my life that I've gotten to see is, you know, the, the video we showed at the beginning, I've gotten to watch my parents do this. I was 12 years old when they started their church, and it was just like this. Like, well, actually, that's a lie. It was way worse, okay? They were in these ugly orange chairs in an old honky-tonk building in the middle of nowhere, 40 minutes outside of town. I'm surprised anybody ever showed up. Okay. This morning, they will have 12,000 people there. They're one of the 40th largest churches in America. 40, I mean, you just, the, the, the number, it's amazing to watch what God has done as they have just done the process. If they have reached people, as they have loved people, as they have restored marriages, as they have stood with people, as they walked through difficult times, as they have invested into the house of God, God has rewarded them so gratefully. And every time I go back there now, it's amazing to walk around town and see the many people wearing merchandise from theirs and drive past the buildings and see none of that was there 22 years ago. It started like this. And as they invested, God showed up. And listen, listen to me. That's how it works every time. It doesn't matter if it's building a church or if it's your family and your journey. 
When you give yourself to God, God gives himself to you. When you open your heart up and go, God, do whatever you want to do in me, he will show up and do whatever he wants to do in you. He is waiting for people who are willing to go, God, whatever you want to do in me, you can do in me. That's a scary thing to tell God. I told God that my third year in the Air Force. Obviously, he had to put me in the military to make me realize that uh, I did not want to do that. Um, and, and said, okay, God, you do whatever you want to do with me. God, if you want me to be a preacher, this, 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 and this has to happen. And wouldn't you know it's amazing when you do that? God's like, okay, watch. <laughs> and step by step by step, people kept going, how'd you get here? I'm like, I made a bet with God, and I lost, and it's just, it is what it is. The house is blessed. When you invest in the house, the house is blessed. Number two, the guests are blessed. The guests are blessed. Proverbs 18.10 tells us, the name of the Lord is a fortified tower. The righteous run to it and are saved. I was 19 years old, right before I went to the military. I was living in Highland Park, Detroit. If you don't know where Highland Park, Detroit is, it is a city inside of a city, okay? So it's a city inside of Detroit. It's kind of like a big downtown area almost. And it was the worst ghetto in America when I moved there. I moved there mid-February. There was 76 murders already. So that's more than one a day if you can do the math. And it was only about a five-mile radius of a city. The library was boarded up. The blockbuster shut down because people would just run in there, grab movies, and run out. The police were too scared to go there. And my uncle bought a triple X theater that he turned into a church. Okay, think of this. Triple X there. People would still show up and go, what time are the movies showing? He's like, Sunday at 10 and 11. You'd be there. <laughs> it was crazy. On, it's Triple X Theater. On one side was a transvestite prostitute hotel. On the other side was the Deja Vu Strip Club. Across the street was the Worldwide Peep Show. Okay, I can't make this up. Prostitutes openly working the corner of the church. We would do, feed hundreds of people there every week. It was insane. You, I can't make you understand how insane it was. The high school was fully concrete because of all the drive-by shootings, 80% dropout rate. Think of that. Nobody went to school, and nobody was going to make them because nobody was going there. <laughs> it was crazy. And I moved there to help him do this church, and I thought, this is going to be a lot of fun. And here's what I found out about the church, is that when people are hurting and when people are broken and when they're looking for hope, it doesn't matter if you're walking on the street or if you're a single mother with kids, you run to the place where you believe there's help, and that is the church. That is the church. Nobody ever shows up to the hospital going, I need somebody to help me pay my rent bill. I need someone to pray for my children who's sick. No one ever does that. You know where they go? They go to the church because the Lord is a strong tower and the righteous run to it and are saved. When we create a place like that, guests are blessed. That means when they come in, they know that there's peace and safety and security in the house. They're not worried about if anything's going to happen to them at church. They're coming there going, I just want to be close to Jesus. I just need somebody to help me. I need people to speak hope and life into me. I need to be somewhere where there's peace and rest for my soul. The guests are blessed, and when you build the house of God, that is all accredited to your account. People oftentimes, when we talk about the church, they'll go, oh, yeah, this is my pastor. He started a church here. And I go, no, you started a church here. And they go, what do you mean? And I go, this is your church as much as this is my church. Okay, I happen to be the person that preaches on Sunday, but this is all of our churches. I didn't build this church. Y'all built this church. I was meeting with some of our people this week, and we're talking about just all of the people that have come because of their obedience. All of the people that, have, that are sitting in chairs at Valley Rise on a normal Sunday that I can attribute to them. You know who built this church? Y'all built this church. 
And when you get to heaven, you will one day turn around and see the lives of every single person that you impacted. Whether you touched them or whether you invested into the house that touched them, if the guests are blessed, that's accredited to you. Amen. Hey, number three, the host is blessed. The host is blessed. Luke 14, I love this so much. Then Jesus turned to his host and said, When you throw a banquet, don't just invite your friends, relatives, or rich neighbors, for it is likely they will return the favor. It is better to invite those who never get an invitation. Invite the poor to your banquet, along with the outcast, the handicapped, and the blind, those who could never repay you the favor. Then you will experience a great blessing in this life, and at the resurrection of the godly, you will receive a full reward. When they heard this, one of the dinner guests said to Jesus, this is what I want to say to Jesus, I love this, someday God will have a kingdom feast and how happy and privileged will be the ones who get to share in that joy. Hey, can I tell you, when you build the house of God, you are going to be so blessed when you get to heaven and get to experience the banquet of joy. When you get there and you get to look around and see your friends and family that are there because you invited them to your church, because you reached out and loved on them, because you helped them when no one else would, because you believed in them and encouraged them. It's going to be a blessing like you can't imagine. I love this. Jesus is telling us, okay, remember, if Jesus said it, it's true, okay? Sometimes people go, is this part of the Bible true? Is this part of the Bible Listen, let me, let me give you a blanket statement that works for all. If Jesus said it, it's true. I know that, okay? So Jesus tells them, when you get to heaven, there's going to be a massive banquet. There's going to be a huge party. He goes, you think this is a party? When we get to heaven, we're going to party. Like it's 69 BC, not 1969, 69 BC. It was like, he's like, y'all weren't even there for that. You don't even know about those wild times. It's going to be a party. And he goes, what is the party going to be comprised of? It's going to be comprised of people that have built the house of God. It's going to be comprised of people who help the hurting. And this is what he says. He goes, it's not, listen, if I can tell you one thing and you can hear my heart, building this church is not building the church for everybody that has it all together. We build this church for people like you and like me who don't have it all together and don't have it all figured out and aren't there yet. If you're perfect, this is not the church for you. I promise, okay, because you're going to hate me because I'm imperfect. (laughs) We are not perfect people serving a God trying to be good enough. We are imperfect people loving other imperfect people because of what pleases the heart of our God. That's a great time to clap. We're getting there. We're going to be a clapping church one day, I promise. Psalms 92. This is the promise. I love this. This is the promise for those who build their lives in the house of God. Psalms 29, 92, sorry. The righteous will flourish like a palm tree. They will grow like a cedar of Lebanon, planted in the house of the Lord. They will flourish in the courts of our God. They will still bear fruit in old age. They will stay fresh and green, proclaiming the Lord is upright. He is my rock, and there is no wickedness in him. I love that. I love it so much because I'm a byproduct of it. I'm a byproduct of this verse. I wish I could take all of you downtown to 76 and Canal Street in downtown Houston where my dad was raised. He was raised by a prostitute. He was raised with a father that abused all the children. He was one of six children. His sisters got pregnant at 13, 14, and 15. He started selling drugs when he was seven and doing drugs when he was seven. Okay, He was not what you see. He was not like me. And I sat my son down at Christmas and I said, let me tell you a story because you need to understand how God blesses our family. 
It has nothing to do with what we can do for God. It has to do with a decision a 12-year-old boy made sitting on steps at 72nd and Canal Street 50 years ago and said, I don't know what I have to do, but I want to give my children something different than what I had. And he began to build his life in the house of God. He began to go, God, I don't know what you can do with a Mexican kid from the body of Houston, but if you can use me, use me. And God began to use him. And God began to use him. And then God, when he was 19, they were having race riots between the blacks and the whites in Lafayette, Louisiana. And his pastor said, hey, I'm going to send you all a Mexican. He'll fix everything. <laughs> True story. Race riots between the blacks and the whites. I'll send you a Mexican. He'll fix everything. He sends him down there. The rest is history. He met a Cajun woman. And if you don't know any Cajun women, if you meet them, it's over, okay? It's game over. He met a Cajun woman, married my mom, and they begin to build a life there. He was an evangelist traveling for 25 years and, and had a great career. So opened up for Billy Graham, was all over TV, wrote two bestsellers, had a great, great traveling career. And God spoke to him and said, I want you to start a church in Louisiana. He's like, I don't want to be a pastor. Like, what's start a church? That sounds horrible. Now, if you don't know, for, for those of us that travel and speak at times, it's like the greatest gig in the world because you just, like, show up, you say whatever you want, and you leave. You don't have to deal with any of the issues, okay? You, you preach and you go. The pastor got to deal with all the issues. So having, going from that life to this life is a very different world. And God said, I want you to start a church. And he started a church when I was 12 years old that looked a lot like this. That video is, is I, I love it so much because Mr. Bill, I remember Mr. Bill. Mr. Bill was old when we started the church. Mr. Bill was one of the people that invested greatly into the church early on. Mr. Bill died, you know, not, not long after that, probably 10 years after that video. But you look at the righteousness and the goodness of God, this verse coming to life before your very eyes, the righteous will flourish like a palm tree. They will grow like a cedar of Lebanon, planted in the house of the Lord. They will flourish in the courts of our God. They will still bear fruit in old age. They will stay fresh and green, proclaiming the Lord is upright. He is my rock, and there is no wickedness in him. What is he saying? That's God going, listen, when you plant your life in the house of God, your children serve me, your grandchildren serve me, your great-grandchildren serve me, and it's not because of anything that they did. It's because you chose to plant them in the right place. When you build the house of God, you are planting your seed in good soil. You are planting your family in good soil. Listen, I stand before you a byproduct of someone who chose to plant his seed in good soil. I could have been a kid in the barrio of Houston growing up 32 years ago. Thank you, G. I drive by a house pretty regularly, and I stand in front of it, and I just go, thank you, God, for the goodness and the faithfulness of your promises, that when you choose to build the house of God, God chooses to build your house. That although it seemed like he couldn't go anywhere, God said, if you will plant your seed in the right place, I will make you flourish like you can't believe. Who would have only known only God would have known that he would have a son, that he would put a desire in his heart to go back to Houston and reach the people that he left. To go back to Houston and reach the city and the community that he left. People ask me, why Tomball, Texas? Your dad has a church of 12,000 people three hours from here. Are you crazy? The answer is yes some days. I'm going to be honest. <laughs> Are you crazy? Why would you not be there? Because as a young kid, I would hear my dad say, Houston's horrible. Houston's the worst place ever. You never want to go to Houston. It's a bad place. And then I'd hear him say, we're going to reach people. We're going to build lives. We're going to help change the world. And as a young kid, five, six, seven, God would speak to my heart and go, but who's going to help the people in Houston? Who's if y'all are going to reach people, but dad's never going to go, you know, in your mind as a kid, you think like you're, you're the only world there is. And so who's going to reach those people? 
And as a young kid, God put something in my heart that said, I want to go back and I want to reach the people that dad won't reach. I want to go back and help the people that hurt him. I want to go back and make a city that he has always said bad, a city that people can look at and go, if God can do it there, he can do it anywhere. Hey, I want you to know you're a part of a church that does amazing things. When I sat here this Sunday and watched all those foster girls, I don't know if y'all, I didn't point them out. They were all sitting right here. Those were the girls that we gave Christmas to, the ornaments that y'all picked up. and the, Those were all those girls sitting right here. And it took everything in me all service to not weep just looking at them going, this, y'all, y'all provided something for them that they would not have if this church wasn't here this year. Christmas morning, they opened up more than a present. They opened up a spiritual family that maybe they've never encountered. They opened up an opportunity for people to show them the love of Jesus that maybe they've never experienced. Why do we build the house of God? We build the house of God because that's what it's all about. It's about throwing parties at 3.30 in the morning for prostitutes. It's about reaching the orphans and the widows. It's about extending the love of Jesus to those who may never know him. It's about going to tailgaters right there like I do every Sunday and bringing somebody to church the next week. I've met more people at that tailgate. When I go in there, the pastor, hey, you, you well, this is our pastor. I'm the pastor of tailgaters, okay? You go in there. I'm telling you, I meet more people in there. And it was really funny. One of our girls texted us this week. She goes, did you meet four random people in tailgaters this week and invite them to church? I'm like, yeah, I do that like every week. She goes, I, I went to school with some of these guys. And they messaged me and said, we see you follow this church. Is this guy really a pastor? Like we met him at tailgaters and he kind of looked like a little rough. Like, is he really a pastor? She said, yes, he really is my pastor, and he's the tallest Mexican in the world. That's what, she didn't say that, that's what it is about. It's about creating a church that does that. Why do we give? Why do we serve? Why do we invest in what God is about to do a mile and a half down the road? Because one day you, like Mr. Bill, will be able to turn around and see the faithfulness of God not only to you, but to your children, your grandchildren, and your great-grandchildren. And my goal is that I get to marry your children in a building that we one day build and that your families get to be fed and restored in a building that we're building and that you get to experience the goodness of God and that one day you can look back and realize this is not about building a church for Valley Rise. This is about you building a church for you and that when there is thousands and thousands of people in it, that will not be accredited to me. That will be accredited to you. Amen. Joey, as I close, you can come up. What does it mean when you, when you invest in the house of God? It means you create legacy. We're creating a legacy. What is a legacy? A legacy is a future without you that is still impacted by you. Listen, all of us in here are going to die, okay? Not today. Don't worry. You can rest. Not today. Maybe. I don't know. After you leave here, I'm not responsible, so that's on you. Um, but in here, you're safe. <laughs> all of us are going to die at some point. And what we leave on this earth will be the measure of what we did here. It, it will be, I love the story that I, that I read in the news, maybe some of you saw it, about the guy that was a painter, I believe in New Jersey. And, and they said he was a painter for his whole life, he only wore two pair of jeans, he drove a beater truck, lived in a real modest house, and he told his friends when he got close to dying, he said, I don't have any family, y'all are like my only family, his, his little painter's guild, the guys he painted with. And he said, so when I die, I want y'all to take whatever I have and do something good with it, you know. So they, they said, we kind of all laughed and we're like, I mean, what, like your two pair of jeans? Like, what do you want us to do? And they didn't realize he died shortly after and he had been saving up all his money and living so frugally that when he died, he had $3 million in the bank account. So they took that money 
And they did a scholarship fund and they found 30 kids that they could pay for their college for all of them. All of them. So they're all going to go to college debt-free. They're going to be able to go to grad school. Whatever they do, their college is taken care of. You know what that is? That's a legacy without you that's impacted by you. That's, we, we, he passed away, he's gone. But if, if they turn into a doctor, if a doctor comes out of that group, every patient that they treat, that's accredited to that painter. If, if that person turns into be, be a, a lawyer and every case he takes that he defends somebody, guess what? That man is speaking from the grave. How? Because it is building, he built a legacy and a legacy is the future without you that is still impacted by you. Hey, listen, we are building a legacy of Valley Rise Church. You are building a legacy of Valley Rise Church. I promise you, I wouldn't tell you this if it wasn't true, but I've watched it happen now so many times. The church world's the only world I know. So if you like, like if you grew up and your dad was a mechanic and you can look at a car and go like, oh, well, like, hey, this is running, you need to fix the timing belt. How'd you know that? Well, this is all I've known. I just grew up around cars. Okay, this is the only world I've ever known. Valley Rise will get... This is we're, we're, this next year is going to be crazy. I think I think all of us know that, and it's exciting, and it's so much fun to watch. And and but these are the special special times for me, because I never want to forget this group right here that shows up when it's pouring raining and everybody else is out of town, because this is what builds Valley Rise Church. This is what one day when people drive through Tomball and they go, Wow, look at that church over there! Wow, that's crazy. They do all that stuff for the community. That you'll be able to go. That's my church. I built that church. I did that. My children invested in that. We served there every Sunday. We set up and tore down. Trust me, when we get a building and all the other people come, I'm going to ask, how many of you were here in the early days when we are still setting up chairs? And all of y'all that are going to be able to go, me, I was here, Pastor. The beauty of it is building a legacy. And all of us are building a legacy. But you get to decide what kind of legacy you build. I encourage you, let it be a Psalms 92 legacy, a legacy that's planted in the house of God, a legacy that flourishes far after you're gone, that your children will be planted in the house of God, your grandchildren planted in the house of God, and your great-grandchildren planted in the house of God. Investing is not just financially. I want you to know that. Investing is serving. Investing is praying. Investing is showing up when we do these events where we fed teachers, and some of you came and helped us feed teachers, and Investing is when you give any part of you to what God is doing. That's what investing in the house of God is. Praying. When y'all pray for me, I love getting texts from y'all, Pastor, I'm praying for you. Listen to me, I need it. I I just want y'all to know, because this is kind of our family group, I want y'all to know, whenever you do what we're about to do, the devil ramps up like a thousand times. It's like a whole nother level. When I tell you it has been the craziest week as we've become close to this and as we're about to finish this building out and do all this stuff. And I looked at Alex the other day. I said, I need more people to pray for me because, like, the, the devil won't stop. Like, I'm talking the worst dreams I've ever had in my life, my children being harmed, like, just horrible stuff. I haven't slept, like, like good in, like, a few days. She's going, what's wrong? I'm like, it's the devil. He hates what we're about to do. He hates when a church takes ground. He hates when you put down pillars and go, we're not going anywhere. We're in this community. And if you want to mess with this community, you're going to have to come through Valley Rise Church. Hey, when you invest, you're investing in so not not just financially. You're serving, you're giving, you're praying. You're, you're showing up to serve events. The, when we go see the, the forgotten at the nursing home and when we give to the children in India and when we do, 
That's all investing in the house of God. And I'm so thankful for a church that invests in the house of God well. Hey, when we move into that building in six weeks, pray that it's six weeks. Let's not pray that it's eight. Let's pray that it's six, please. When we move into that building in six weeks, that won't be our building. That's your building. That's your children's building. That's, that's, that's for the next five to ten years where you're going to be receiving, where you're going to be having parties for people who get saved, where you're going to be experiencing the goodness of God with your family. I'm so thankful that we get to do it together. Would you bow your heads? God, we're so thankful for you. We're so thankful that you don't just choose to build a house by yourself. You let us in on the process. That we get to witness and watch what you do, God. We get to witness and watch your goodness and your faithfulness. Today, God, we say we want to be a part of it. Whether it's through our giving, our serving, our praying, we want to be a part of what you're doing, God. We want to see the goodness of God in our lives. We want to plant our families in the house of the Lord. We want our children to grow up seeking you. We want our children to grow up seeing us planted in the right place so that they will follow our footsteps for generations to come. God, I pray that today you would speak to our hearts, that whatever it is you want to do through us, that you would do through us. We love you and we're so thankful, Jesus, that we get to create a legacy that points back to you. With every head bowed and every eye closed, there may be some of you here today that you just go, Christian, hey, all that sounds great, but I've never even made the decision to put my seed in good soil. I've never made the decision to start that relationship with Jesus. Maybe you've experienced religion or you've experienced church, but you've never experienced a life-giving relationship with Jesus. But today you say, Christian, I want to experience that. I want to start that. I don't know what it all entails. I don't know what it's all about. But I want to start today planning in the house of God. Every head bowed, every eye closed. between you and Jesus. I just want to pray for you. If that's you, would you just slip your hand up for me so we can pray together? Amen. 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 Now we're going to pray this. You can pray it out loud. You can pray it in your heart. You can pray it under your breath. As long as you mean it is what we ask. Dear Lord Jesus, today... I realize my need for you. I realize that I want to plant my life in the house of God. Not just for me, for my children, my grandchildren, my great-grandchildren. Today, Jesus, I believe that you are the Son of God. I believe that you came from heaven to earth to live a perfect life. I believe you died a death on the cross that I should have died to pay my sin bill so that I wouldn't have to. And then, Jesus, I believe that you rose from the dead to give me new life, freedom, and hope. Today, Jesus, I choose you. I choose to love you, to serve you, and to follow you. Now, God, I pray that you would seal that up in the hearts of every single person that prayed that. I pray they would experience your goodness, God. I pray they would experience your faithfulness. Even tonight when they lay their head on their pillow, they would feel the peace of God that passes all understanding. Rest upon their heart, mind, body, soul, and spirit. God, be with them. Bless them. In Jesus' precious name, amen and amen. Hey, would you give a hand to those that just made the greatest decision of their lives? Thanks for listening to this week's message. We hope you'll stay connected by following us online. You can find us on Facebook and Instagram using at Valley Rise Church. 
We hope you enjoy today's message and we'll see you soon.